Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Maximize your leadership potential and professional advancement and be inspired. We're delighted to be your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development from a women in business perspective. We share our original research, explore industry and workforce trends, and interview female executives, allies, and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things women in business, leadership challenges, talent management, organizational development, change management, and diversity and inclusion. Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. In this WBIL podcast episode, Angela Schill and I sit down with Dr. Kelly Hall and Dr. Maureen Andrade to discuss the recent WBIL research brief, Pandemic-Related Job Changes and Preferences by Gender. Maureen Andrade and Kelly Hall, welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Good morning. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. It is a pleasure to have you all with us today. I'm also joined by my co-host, Angela Schill. Uh, We're all professors at Utah Valley University, and we're all associated with the Women in Business Impact Lab. Today, we're going to be talking about a recent research brief that we put out titled Pandemic-Related Job Changes and Preferences by gender. I'm super excited to pick your brains and learn a little bit more about uh, this research brief and really the data uh, more generally as well. Before we get started, I just wanted to briefly introduce everyone and then give them the opportunity to share a little bit more about themselves. Dr. Maureen Andrade is a professor of organizational behavior and leadership at Utah Valley University and uh, assistant director of the Women in Business Impact Lab. Dr. Kelly Hall is the director of the Women Business Impact Lab and professor of leadership in the Woodbury School of Business. And Angela Schill is a professor in the organizational leadership department uh, and teaches organizational behavior and such, and is also a faculty member and fellow in the Women in Business Impact Lab. Pleasure to have all of you. Uh, Starting with Maureen, do you want to share anything else about yourself uh, with the audience? Um, Just... uh... Very happy to be here and share some ideas about women in the workforce and um, how the pandemic impacted their experiences. So this is one of my research areas, and we've worked on a number of studies and papers on this topic. So happy to share what we know and hope that it will have some impact. Wonderful. And Kelly? Yeah, thank you again for having us on this morning. Um, I guess I'll just add that I've been in higher education for a little over a decade. Um, Prior to that, I was in industry. Um, So I think it's super interesting to to think about these challenges, having had that perspective of, you know, living some of these things out in the context of organizations and now having a little bit deeper understanding um, from the academic side and being able to to kind of apply 
um, you know, the science to, you know, what I was seeing in organizations for so many years. Wonderful. Uh, and with that, let's go ahead and dive on in. Uh, I'll hand the baton over to Angela to get us rolling. Okay. So I'm just going to ask, I'll, I'll shoot it out to both Kelly and Maureen. We're so excited to, to hear your perspective on this, but can you give us an overview of the Women in Business Impact Lab and the data that was collected? Sure. So um, I guess I can start with an overview of the Impact Lab. Um, really, some of the things that you know we're focused on is conducting and disseminating research uh, about gender in the workplace. Um, really educating community members, um, you know, diverse groups in terms of you know thinking about community very broadly, and engaging um, students and industry partners. So. Um, we have, you know, a research program um, underway. We also have a lot of industry um, facing activities to cover the education side. And of course, you know, having the students at it. Um, Maureen, do you want to add a little bit in terms of um, some of the things that we're focused on or, or the survey? It was a fairly extensive survey um, asking about um, experiences in the workplace, um, work in general, work satisfaction, um, what are the most important characteristics in a job uh, to help us get insights um, into women's experiences in the workplace. Um, so we based this on some previous research that was done as well. Uh, so they're talking about their jobs and um, the characteristics of their job. Um, how their work is meaningful and other scheduling issues and the impact of COVID as well. Thank you. Um, in, in looking at that in terms of how the pandemic impacted the workplace and what were the findings in all of the data that you collected in terms of the differences between how the pandemic changes impacted women versus impacted men? So as I'm sure you can imagine, I mean, just if you think about um, your own experiences and, and people that you know, the pandemic definitely impacted people in different ways. And our data set, you know, we had both part-time workers and full-time workers. We had people across various um, industries. Um, and so there's, you know, certainly, you know, some differences when we start looking at those things. But um, when we think about, you know, reduction in hours, uh, because, you know, people needed to focus more on family. Um, we saw um, in some cases, men having to take on more hours. Um, so certainly you can imagine, you know, in a dual income household, if one person is transitioning their focus to more of a family focused role in caring for children and uh, homeschool settings um, that, you know, the, the spouse would then have to potentially pick up some extra hours. So we did see a little bit of that in it. Um, what was interesting and, and, you know, certainly something we can all relate to is, um, you know, new ways of working, um, you know, that was one of, you know, the, the biggest changes that we saw for both men and women, um, you know, the adoption of new ways of working. I can just add a little bit about, um, research generally on this topic, uh, Basically, the impact on women has been seen to be much greater than the impact on men. So increased workloads, burnout, and stress because women were working from home, caring for their families, 
helping educate their children. Uh, so the large majority of women reported negative changes in their daily routines, and they felt like that was slowing their career progression. And something that's fairly alarming, um, and once again, this isn't specific to our study, but um, the research that surrounds the study is uh, representation of women in the workforce has really declined as a result of the pandemic. Um, and it's been a substantial setback. Uh, so there's not parity of representation in, in genders in the workforce. Something I was reading about that is talking about not just the change of women not being represented in the workplace, but also when it comes to promotion. If you're not, if you're having to work from home and balancing education and taking care of children while men are in the workplace, seen more and have more opportunities to grow. And that's something that I think I read that the men had more opportunities to be promoted during the pandemic, but women, less promotions, they weren't seen. And because of the way culturally things were set up, traditionally, that was a, a pain point. I think it becomes really important um, to, to think about, you know, implications, you know, and the importance of having some flexibility in terms of work design. Um, and that's certainly something, you know, going back to some of the specific things we saw in our data, we, for both men and women, uh, an increased preference for more flexible work options, uh, increase in their preference for, you know, having hybrid work or remote work relative to in-person work. Um, and again, we saw that across both genders. Um, and going back to your point, Angela, you know, when flexibility options aren't being provided, and um, as a result of that, employees may choose, you know, to leave their position or to, you know, leave the workforce overall, even if for temporary, you know, purposes, you know, a year, two years, three years. Um, that can have a really uh, big effect overall in terms of opportunities for career advancement and earning power. Um, even when we look across, you know, different industry sectors, um, women in particular, if they take three or more years off, then that slashes their earning potential by 37%. Wow. Um, so it becomes really important for organizations to think about, you know, what are some ways that we can provide, you know, flexibility and, and where are some opportunities for us to reevaluate how, how we're thinking about um, flexible work design. Mm -hmm. It's, it's also important um, to be aware of the culture around the flexibility that may or not be offered. Uh, so I, this is partially back to Angela's point, but if, if your organization does provide a range of flexible work options and work design, but men tend to not opt into that flexibility, so they're there in person, are there biases towards the FaceTime individuals who are there in person versus those, you know, if, if women are disproportionately opting into the flexibility and they're not there, uh, we, we already know that there's, you know, biases that can negatively impact women's opportunities for leadership roles and advancement. Um, that just gets exacerbated when uh, when now they're opting into flexible options and, and the men aren't as much. Mm. Um, it, it's kind of like, you know, with uh, unlimited PTO. That's all the rage. People love talking about unlimited PTO, but how many people actually utilize their PTO? In fact, many studies say that show that people take less time off when they have unlimited PTO than they do when they just have a set amount of time. Uh, and often 
uh, it's it's because you know people feel like they get punished if they take t- the time off. And so you may, as an organization, as a leader, you may decide, yeah, we need to have flexible work design and flexible options. But what's the reality for people um, doing the jobs? Are they being disadvantaged in any way for taking advantage of those flexible options? And if they are, that's only only going to set parity back and um, uh, cause additional problems with the equity, whether it's pay equity or opportunities for you know women's um, advancement in their career, leadership roles, et cetera. Yeah, these are definitely significant issues. Um, so sometimes there are hidden costs or masked um, issues related to the more flexible scheduling options, as John mentioned. And um, Angela has already referred to this, but women who work from home specifically um, do risk damaging their careers because they're not in the workplace. Um, They're missing out on all the networking and informal relationship building that tends to advance a person's career. And one really interesting factor that came out during the, the pandemic was that men actually reported benefits from working at home more so than women and said they were more productive, they got more pay increases and promotions, more responsibilities and leadership opportunities. So they saw it as a very positive thing, but it may be, you know, that they were um, more productive because their, um, the women were taking care of family and educational responsibilities and were perhaps less productive. So there, there are still a lot of issues. Um, some managers also indicate that um, promotion opportunities are less accessible to remote workers than people who are physically present. So I think that's something we still have to get over is if you're working from home, do you are you like forgotten about yeah. um, because you're not there talking to your um, manager every day or whatever? I'll give a personal example of this. Um, I, I We all could, right? Because we all went through the pandemic and we all experienced this and what it was like to have all of our kids um, doing schooling from home and trying to juggle work and all of that. Um, I, I'm I'm a professor. My wife is also a university uh, instructor. Uh, when the pandemic hit, we had six children all doing schooling at home from second grade all the way up to junior year of high school, um, trying to balance our workloads with their workloads, literally just trying to figure out the technology. How do we because, you know, we're, we're a comfortable, economically, socio, socio, socioeconomically comfortable. We have devices and those sorts of things. We didn't have enough devices for eight people at the same time to be doing stuff. Um, and so we had to navigate that. We had to then help with the tech stuff. We had to help with the motivation, all of those sorts of things. I think, you know, I would like to think at least hopefully that me and my wife split the load pretty evenly and I didn't overly burden her. I feel like I did. Um, you'd have to ask her though on her perspective on that. Um, but I, I remember, especially early days during the pandemic, just kind of monitoring social media, lots of female friends, um, who it was very, very clear that they were taking on the heavy load of the homeschooling responsibilities, um, all, you know, all the normal kind of family stuff and, and, um, disproportionate amount of stuff that women tend to do anyways with the cleaning and the housework and all those sorts of things. They were taking on that heavy load and trying to juggle their work. Um, it was it was really really hard, and so it doesn't surprise me at all that the that our survey data 
uh, illustrated this fact that, that, you know, sometimes men actually found it really nice to be working from home, you know, as long as they had a spouse who was willing to do all the other stuff that they weren't going to do. And they just got to, to uh, benefit from the flexibility. That brought back memories of, I, I was kind of reflecting on my experience during the pandemic as well. Just the, the home experience we had, I think six of us trying to just get the internet to have enough bandwidth for that to go forward. And I think I had just, I was trying to remember what that was like, because that was me. That was me trying to help my four children go through school, the youngest in kindergarten, which was probably the hardest to be quite honest with that young one that had just a little amount of self-discipline, but he was expected to do work. And so it's kind of a, a dark time period. When I look back, I think I just blacked it out. But when I revisit that and think about how how can we create a space or what are some ideas about how to create that flexibility we're talking about where remote work, you know, the pandemic introduced this great opportunity for remote work, but how do we then build in the respect that it's not just that it's valuable and then how do we recognize people when they are home and getting getting the ability to do something in a non-traditional way, have the flexibility and still be able to be respected as a valuable contributing member of the company. I think at first, you know, leaders need to dig into the assumptions that they're making. And this, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, what are the assumptions that are being made about, you know, how work needs to be done and when work needs to be done? Um, you know, certainly assumptions around work taking place from nine to five, um, you know, for most of us, that just doesn't line up with the, the realities that we live in. Um, and also, you know, not stigmatizing the people who are taking advantage of flexible options. And John, back to your point, we know that that happens more uh, for women than men. That's been borne out in the research. Um, so being aware of that and then um, working to, to change perceptions around that um, work should absolutely, absolutely be judged in terms of, you know, the talent and the work that's being done, not just, you know, FaceTime in your office. You know, the, those are are two very different things um, and one doesn't equate to the other. Um, thinking about, you know, what are the reasons why organizations are often hesitant to move in those flexible um, work design um, options, you know, it's loss of control, fears about loss of collaboration, fears about loss of culture, um, loss of contribution. So, really taking time to identify, you know, what is it about, you know, the, these new ways of working that are making us feel uneasy. And if you can identify what those are, now you can start being intentional about, you know, okay, how can you design some processes and some practices um, to mitigate those concerns? Mm -hmm. um, so I do think it, it takes time to, to think about, get all of that out on the table, and, and then think creatively about, okay, how can we um, you know, move forward with these things that we know not only benefit women, it also benefits men in the workplace too. Um, it, but, you know, again, doing it in a very intentional way so that you can mitigate those risks that you're concerned about. Right. And I think employers need to look at the whole person in terms of job satisfaction. So they need to look at, you know, mentoring employees to help them um, gain more opportunities and experiences that will lead to promotions, um, physical, mental well-being on the job, and just making sure, you know, your family's taken care of and things at home are running smoothly so that you can um, 
focus on all the different responsibilities you have and balance them. And um, so I think employers need to look at things with a, a fairly broad perspective in terms of how to support employees, help them grow, um, uh, help them be beneficial to, to the company and to their own careers so that they'll be satisfied with their work and they'll stay in the company and um, do great things. So there's a lot of opportunities, but sometimes I think our mindsets are very, maybe very traditional in how we perceive um, leadership and uh, expectations in the workplace. I'll, I'll just add uh, a, a, an example for us here at the university. Uh, like most universities, things shut down almost overnight, right? And many for many organizations, that was the case. We happened to be going into a spring break when the pandemic hit. And so we literally just had that week off. Anyone who's teaching an in-person class had to move to online. Uh, and then we didn't come back. Uh, students didn't come back. Faculty didn't come back. Uh, I'm a department chair at the university. So I have a slightly different role than the average faculty member. And I remember um, in those early days asking the question, the campus is empty. Nobody's here. Uh, am I expected to be on campus? And my dean said, absolutely. You're a department chair. You need to be here on campus. And I'm like, I have six children that are trying to do school at home. Why do I need to be on campus? I had to push back before finally he relented. At that point, he's like, okay, yeah, go go ahead and do what you need to do. Um, and it worked out. It, it all worked out. But it took, it took some back and forth um, because of those assumptions that this particular individual had. And then, of course, over time, we kind of grew into that and we became more comfortable with that, even those who were a little, had that discomfort. Um, but you know, as we think about, as we get a little, as we broaden out beyond just the scope of this particular research brief or even our data, and we think about um, the the great resignation, all the conversations that have happened around that, quiet quitting, all the conversations that have happened around that, what was the cause of so much of that? People taking time to reevaluate their priorities, taking time to uh, think about what was most important to them, and was their organization respecting their boundaries? Uh, were their leaders showing empathy towards them? And if they were, in most cases, people were fine with their jobs. But what we saw was many, many people realized, no, they're, they're not respecting my boundaries. They're, they're um, expecting more and more and more. Uh, I'm not seeing that empathy when I'm dealing with all this other stuff. And the labor market was tight and people realized they had options. And so we saw everything unfold that has unfolded over the last year and a half in regards to the labor market. Um, and so it just illustrates the point here that as as the nature of work is shifting and as uh, worker expectations are shifting, that leaders need to be aware of. I mean, they don't need to like it. I don't care if you agree with it or not, but it's the reality. And the reality is that people expect more flexibility uh, and and we need to provide flexibility without consequence. So we can't have the stigma attached to people who choose the flexibility option versus those who don't. Otherwise, we're going to set the the gender equity stuff back and and some reports have suggested we've already set it back a, a generation um so we we have a lot of work to do here and there's um some re relatively recent data that's come out from future forum as well um looking specifically at 
you know, the relationship between providing flexibility and what does that mean, you know, for DEI initiatives. And I believe it was 60% of Black employees who indicated that they were unhappy with the flexibility in their workplaces intended on looking for a new job in the coming year. And so I think for, you know, especially places, um, you know, like where we are, we want to increase, you know, the diversity and have more perspectives and draw more people into um, you know, the technology hub that we have here, I think that that's important point to consider as well. Um, and then I also think it's important to think about, you know, if an organization has decided they do need to bring employees back to the office, you know, even if, you know, not full blown, like they were um, pre-pandemic, um, to think about how is that being communicated? Um, Disney, you know, was in the news recently because uh, they're, employees are being called back to the office four days a week. Um, but the, the date for that's March 1st. Um, so, you know, thinking about a 45 to 60 day timeline to give people time to, to readjust, um, that's important. But what's even more important than that is communicating to your employees, you know, how, if we're going to ask that you come back to the office more often than, you know, what we saw during the pandemic, you know, here are some other things that we are going to be doing to still provide flexibility and the opportunity for you to have greater work-life integration. Um, so again, really thinking about it very holistically, I think is important. And Kelly, you need to be able to, you need to be ready and willing to regularly communicate the why behind it. So if you're asking people to come back, there better be a good reason other than you just want people to come back. Um, people aren't putting up with that. Right. We have a, a colleague here at the university um, who wanted to continue working remotely after the pandemic. And her supervisor basically said no. So she evaluated. Um, she is in a situation where she commuted to the university and spent, you know, two or three hours a day in that commute. And she just said she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so she resigned. Uh, so people are making uh, choices that could have a negative impact on an organization. And I went on an accreditation visit to another university um, last spring, and we got a lot of feedback from the staff at that university about inconsistencies in who could or could not work from home and why couldn't they work from home and what were the expectations. So you know, that in that situation, the university has had not kind of reevaluated its current practices um, to decide um, what changes they could make in a positive direction. Uh, so it's, I think it's still kind of up in the air all across the nation in terms of, you know, if employers are demanding people come back more permanently in the traditional um work in the office kind of arrangement, or if they are actually going to be more flexible long-term. I think we're at a crossroads in that, in that discussion. Definitely. I just, just a little side note, but connected to this is listening to kind of a brainstorming session with some, some admin leadership people in, in local healthcare talking about this idea of being willing to have that flexibility and maybe giving some of the options in terms of hybrid opportunities to the frontline workers, to the people who are impacted by it and letting them have a voice in making those kinds of decisions and not keeping it. And again, there are some fears to work through and how that works out. But 
I thought it was an interesting concept that was coming from leadership. Well, everyone, this has just been a really great conversation. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you all go here in just a minute. Um, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to give Maureen and Kelly a chance to share a little bit more about um, where people can find the Women in Business Impact Lab, resources, uh, how they can get in contact, et cetera, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. You can find us, we are have a presence on LinkedIn, uh, so UVU-WBIL, uh, um, as well as on Instagram. Um, and we, if, for those of you who may be listening in our local community, um, we host monthly on-site um, learn and network events. Um, so by connecting to our social media, you'll have an opportunity to stay up to date um, on all of those details as well. So final word, I'm not sure there is a final word <laughs> other than we're continuing to learn, to explore, to do research, um, to meet the needs of, of the community. We want to partner with the community on all of these issues um, and examine um, what's happening uh, here locally. So we invite collaboration. Um, we have a lot of events in the Women's Business Impact Lab um, where we can interact with people um, in our surroundings. And um, our goal is to... Uh, serve and connect and make partnerships. Thank you again, both for joining us today. Thank you, Angela, for being my co-host. This was a great conversation. We encourage everyone who's listening to reach out, get connected, come to our events, uh, get connected with Kelly and Maureen and others in the lab and at the university. And as always, we hope everyone will stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And we hope you all... Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.